Welcome to Coffee with Romina. This is your host, Romina Muhammadai, award-winning leader, negotiation and sales expert, and your new favorite podcaster. Each week, we bring you inspiring stories from extraordinary people of diverse industries, sharing practical advice and tips on how to overcome career and personal obstacles, define your own success, and take charge of your own destination. Thank you for spending time with us today. Now let the show begin. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome back to Coffee with Romina, a podcast about business and life. First and foremost, I hope you're having an amazing Tuesday, or if you are listening to this episode any other day, I hope you're having an amazing day or evening, whatever time of the day you are listening to us. And without losing any time, I actually want to introduce you guys to George Huffman. George will be our guest speaker for today and this is one of those episodes that I think is absolutely very beneficial to everybody because we are going to talk about meditation, anxiety, and mental health. And how are we able to help others, our family members, or our close friends that maybe are having some difficulties of anxiety and mental health in these difficult times that we're living. But something that we should definitely not underestimate is actually our little minions, our young ones. How are they handling all the stress that is surrounding everybody? That's what we talk about in this episode. George actually opens up to after a series of hospitalization and a lot of bad behavior, he was able to manage overcoming the worst of bipolar disorder by adding practices and focused attention to the usual therapist of medicine and talk. Now, it's his mission to help others that are going through such a difficult time. And I love our conversation today. And thank you, thank you, George, for being a part of the show. Because he is very vulnerable and he is so open to help everybody. And you can absolutely learn a lot from it. I definitely would recommend you to also go ahead and purchase his book that is a part of the Resilient series. His book name is Handling Anxiety in Time of Crisis. This book has a lot of amazing, amazing information, you guys. And actually very practical advice on how to overcome anxiety and stress or be there for somebody else that you just don't know. Maybe you are the person that your friend or your family member has been waiting to be heard from. You just never know what people go through. So I definitely don't want to take a lot of time out of this interview. I want you guys to enjoy it and learn a lot from it. But before we do so, just a quick reminder to go ahead and hit the subscribe button from wherever you are getting your podcast choose from. And as a matter of fact, if you are listening from Apple Podcasts, go ahead and give us a five-star review and a short comment. Tell us how amazing we are doing. And if you have a favorite episode from our podcast, go ahead and add that on the comment section on Apple Podcasts. So this way, it might be helpful to somebody that just tuned in. And to you, my loyal listener, thank you so much again for trusting me with your time. If you are brand new on our podcast, welcome. We always love new listeners and we love making new friends. Before we dive in into today's episode, I also want to mention you guys a cool fact about George. George, as a matter of fact, will be a case study presenter on PodFast Global Summit, as a matter of fact, as well. I will be speaking on Pulse Summit too, so if you guys would like a ticket, please go ahead and feel free to reach out to me. This way, I would be able to help you 
with a free ticket. Why not? Because we love new podcasters. We love our podcasting community. So don't hesitate to contact me on connectwithromina.com so I can go ahead and reserve that additional free ticket for you and you would be able to learn a lot more about podcasting world and why not how to leverage podcasting, growing your connection and being able to build a business since that would be my topic in PodFest Global Summit. But enough of me talking. Let's actually dive in today's interview and I hope you guys enjoy it. And feel free to contact George if you have any questions for him. He's amazing and he'll get back to you right away. So enjoy the episode. Hi, George. How are you today? Hello, Romina. Hi. Hi from Florida. George is up in Philly, you guys. We're kind of going everywhere with this podcast. (laughs) George, without losing any time, I actually want to pass on the mic to you to introduce yourself to the audience. Tell us how awesome you are. Tell us a little bit, how did you actually go also about uh, having the career that you have right now? Okay, hello. Yes, I actually, this is this is maybe a third, fourth career. Um, when I was younger, I was into finance, working for a special risk insurance administrator, and then suddenly started having some mental health problems. Turns out I have bipolar disorder and there were hospitalizations and some challenges. So that career was over. Came out of that into human services. I work with people with autism and uh, other developmental disabilities, but still had some challenges with my own mental illness. About 15 years ago, I started meditating and that really became the key that helped me with everything that comes with bipolar. And so several years after that, I began teaching people the same skills. And now I teach and write about using meditation, movement, and meaningful work to help manage mood disorders and anxiety and work with people and groups in that field. So when I think of meditation, or a lot of people, when they think of meditation, think of just sitting there and like, namaste, um, you know, Mm-hmm. What are uh, what are some like maybe beginner steps for us to even start meditating or start like start like getting in our own emotions and like start like relaxing? Uh, what what sure. are some, like starting tips? Sure, um, it, it's it's funny because everybody thinks you have to sit like Buddha and clear your mind of any thoughts and everything, and that's not meditation at all. I mean, you you want to sit or stand with good posture to meditate to be comfortable and to be able to breathe, but it's really just focusing on the breath. Just bringing your mind onto your breath, feeling the breathing. Thoughts will constantly come up. Don't try to stop them. Meditation is not about not thinking. It's just about experiencing whatever it is your mind and body presents to you at that point in time. So just being quiet, sitting with the breath, and more than anything, really focusing on your body, how you feel, just fully experiencing what's happening right now. And you can do that for one minute. You can do that for 10. You can do that for 30. But it's the same thing every day for as many years as you meditate. Is it hard at first to start meditating when you have 100 thoughts running through your mind? Yeah, it's terrible because of all the thoughts and because of the way meditation has been positioned. Most people think it's supposed to be an always pleasant, stress-relieving experience. And so if they don't have that happy experience, they think they're doing it wrong where in fact, as I said, meditation just presents you with whatever's in your mind and however your body feels right now. So if you're having a bad or a challenging day, you will feel that while meditating. 
If you're having a good relaxing day, you'll feel that while meditating. But it's not all happy, happy. It's not all a good experience. It's just fully experiencing whatever you're experiencing right now. So people feel they're doing it wrong if it's not all good for them. And then the other thing, as I mentioned, it's not about not thinking. People think if they're constantly having thoughts and their mind is just jumping all over the place, they're doing it wrong. When in fact, that's exactly what's going to happen to anybody. I mean, even the Dalai Lama gets interrupted by thoughts when he meditates. So it's just a matter of letting those thoughts come up and not starting an internal conversation, not completing thoughts, just recognizing them, maybe labeling them as a plan or a fear, and then just letting them go and waiting for the next one to come up. You also wrote recently from the Resilient Series book, Handling Anxiety in the Time of Crisis, which is really great for especially you know through COVID it's 2021 right now you guys that we you know the podcast is being launched but the book actually launched a kind of like a May of 2020 okay yes. perfect uh, tell us a little bit about the book because you are I mean it's it's not easy to just open up and be vulnerable to share your own experience and just to write that open tell us a little bit about the book itself yeah, it's part of the Resilience Sphere series from Changemakers Books, and it's really odd because I'm under contract with them to do a book that'll be out next year. The publisher, Tim Ward, called in April and said, can you write 20,000 words in a month, and then we'll publish it three weeks after that, uh, which is really unusual because usually once the book is finished, it's 10 to 14 months later that it comes out and it's on the shelves. So it was a really quick turnaround um, mm. to write a book in four weeks and then to see it in print just a few weeks after that was was quite the experience. And it's really funny because I'm writing about anxiety and how to manage anxiety as we go into a crisis. And I was writing this from an incredible place of anxiety because that, I mean, I had to get this done, get this out. My daughter was doing school at home. So all of that was disrupted. My wife was doing work at home. So whereas I had this monastic life where I had hours a day to write without interruption, suddenly everybody was here and on Zoom calls and talking and everything. So I had to start writing from about five to seven in the morning, then from about 11 to one, because it was the only time I got any peace to really sit down and write. How do you also build maybe I would say like vulnerability to even like open up sometimes because as somebody that suffered through the anxiety, I, I would say, unfortunately, like start breaking relationships with my closest friends because I would trip like I would go crazy on them or I would just be that party pooper that nobody wanted to be around me. So I like finally had to set them down, but it wasn't easy to be like, hey, like I'm actually going through this like this is why I'm acting how I'm acting. Would it be maybe some tips that you can share with us towards even recognizing it that, hey, this is what I'm actually going through. Yeah. Anxiety, it's a terribly lonely experience. Um, and it's really interesting right now, you know, this deep into the whole COVID pandemic with economic shutdown, reopening, shutdown again. Anxiety is actually a shared experience. So many people are experiencing it right now. And yet we still suffer as individuals and we experience this alone. I like to position the solution being community. I mean, mental health is interesting because if one person opens up about mental health challenges, all of a sudden, everybody in the room has a story about themselves or someone in their family or somebody facing challenges. So instead of just suffering inside of yourself, just open up, reach out, and in community, 
you can really find a lot of healing because you'll find many other people are experiencing the same thing and you're not as alienated and as isolated as you think you may be. So a lot of professionals, a lot of uh, people that, you know, don't necessarily want people to like feel bad or feel like, you know, they're like, let's say a manager or an executive leader, they sometimes don't open up about anxiety or, you know, overwhelm stress because they feel like they don't want to lose that, you know, that authority that they might have. Mm -hmm. So how can you talk about it and not necessarily put yourself in the victim place, but talk about it and be try to, you know, um, bring up op- open conversations that needs to be needs to be touched. Does my There's question tr- make sense? Yeah, it does. There's a tremendous potential for authority and leadership and vulnerability. Um, instead of being the tough guy and the one in charge and always having the answer, you know, to be able to occasionally recognize that, look, I, I need some help here. I need to share with you. I need to get you the team involved. And, and being a bit vulnerable can really reinforce the empathy that's needed in a good leader. Now, of course, you don't want to lay it all out and just spew all of your problems all over the people that look up to you. But just to let you know that you too face some challenges and you're not a victim because here's what I do to manage these challenges and then go with maybe some of the things I present in the book or other coping mechanism and show, yes, you're vulnerable, but you're not a victim because you act to be responsible and to overcome these challenges. And then you're just a great example for people to, to really gravitate towards. What would be some, if you can share one or two, like coping mechanisms that we can use. So this way we can maybe continue our productivity on our day-to-day basis or not necessarily lose focus on our day-to-day life, even though sometimes, you know, anxiety will kind of stir us to our normal, you know, path. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the classic ones, you know, sleep enough, get some exercise, eat right, don't, don't abuse substances, you know, because the, these things will help you be healthy in any case, including with anxiety. But then some of the ones I present, like the different meditation methods. I, in the book, Handling Anxiety in a Time of Crisis, I prevent, present several different meditation methods in the hope that someone who tries these will find one that works for them. Because in anxiety, we find that it's really an intersection of uncertainty and belief. Mm-hmm where beliefs we have about ourselves collide with uncertainty and suddenly everything's in question. So by investigating this intersection of uncertainty and belief, we can determine what things we can control and what things we can't control. We have to accept the things we can't control and then work very diligently to deal properly with the things we can control to place life in order and to to really be on a path towards success. So I feel like we're we're talking about anxiety and when you're on, on your adulting age, like if you mm-hmm. can recognize it and everything. But how about as parents for those that have kids that maybe they're seeing their kids, you know, be stressed out. They cannot really open up or, you know, going through the COVID because COVID lockdowns like have caused, you know, a lot of stress, a lot of, you know, mental imbalance to everybody. It just like it or not. It's just a lot going on for somebody to cope with and process, you know, digest at this pace that we're going on right now. But as parents, well, how can we help the younger generation? So maybe they can, you know, they don't have to go zero to a hundred when they grow up, but they go zero to 10 or zero to 20 instead. What can we do as parents or, you know, for our younger nieces or nephews? 
Yeah, it's it's challenging. I mean, my daughter's 10 mm-hmm. and she's in fourth grade and she's dealing with challenges that it's, it's really odd because she'll turn to us and, and ask like, well, what did you do mm-hmm. when this happened? And we have to say, look, we've never been through anything like this. This is all new to us just as it is with you. And again, it's that vulnerability really pulls her in because then she feels like, okay, we're approaching this. We're facing this together. We can work together as a family. Be in a good ear to your children. They're smart at any age. They can figure things out. And sometimes they want parents just to be sounding boards, just to talk and listen. Don't always have the answers. And when coming forth with answers, try to do it in a conversation instead of just saying, okay, do this, do this, do that, and then everything will be fine. Because it may not. But if you work together and have a conversation and present solutions that way, because I mean, the anxiety level for kids right now, it's, it's heartbreaking, but is everything like activities is or something that you guys do maybe with your daughter that helps? again, try to stay fit. Mm-hmm. I, I can't emphasize how important movement is to a person. So, and it's not, you don't have to go to the gym and run a 5k and all of that, just to move around, just to try to be fit, especially since the kids today and all of us are sitting here on zoom for hours, just to get up and move a little bit, Mm -hmm. have some time without the devices. The kids, kids have won the battle for screen time right now because they're, they're on it and we adults have to work. So there they go playing Roblox or TikTok or whatever all day. Mm-hmm. Getting some time without the screens. Keep in mind the sleep. Keep in mind the movement. And just be open to listening to what they have to say. But as for activities, it's really challenging. We're in the city in Philadelphia. So there's a lot of kids on the block. So they mm-hmm. can go out and run around. But I have friends with kids in the suburbs. And with the shutdown and school being virtual and everything, there's no interaction at all. So trying to create opportunities for kids to meet outside, even as we're in the winter now in some parts of the country. Yeah, because it's snowing by you. So it's not even, the weather is not even fit right now too. Oh, they played in the snow a lot Wednesday night. They were out there. (laughs) Yeah, because it it started snowing Wednesday night by you guys. That's when Florida got a little cold. You know, mm-hmm. Floridians, once it goes below 65, they all freak out. Right. <laughs> so I was like, check on your Florida friends, you guys. Like, they're freaking right. out. <laughs> Iguanas are falling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so, no, it's a real concern in Florida. Like, sometimes no, they I've, fall I've on, read top, about on top the of the head of somebody. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I've read about them. <laughs> I was I lived in Florida back in the late 80s and early 90s, and we didn't have an iguana problem back then. They weren't even introduced to the state. So <laughs> now, now it's a real issue. I have friends that live south, and they said, we are here. We're kind of like, whenever we walk in the sidewalk, like we have to go in the road sometimes because like, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Let me ask you this, George. Uh, what is the biggest misconception that people might have for bipolar disorder? or for mental uh, illness or mental health issues yeah the fact the fact that they are sick um, this this seems this seems just like words and I'm a writer so my life is words but there's such a difference between saying say I am depressed mm-hmm. or I have depression if you say I am mentally ill you've attached your whole identity to mental illness and you cannot separate from that. Whereas if you say I have 
a mental illness. That's just one facet of your personality, one facet of your experience. You can stand aside from it and lose it, manage it, be able to live with it separate from the definition of being a crazy person. No one says I am cancer. Mm-hmm. No one says I am hypertension. Why should we say I am bipolar? No, you, you're not that. That's something you have. That's something that you suffer from. And that's something with the, with the proper therapy and medicine you can deal with. How can we open conversations to our close family or friends if we see something doesn't seem like if, let's say, you act a certain way and then out of nowhere you start acting a little bit different, like if we feel like something is off, how can we welcome those conversations or open those conversations to our loved ones or our friends so they can feel comfortable enough to even share with us? Because it's still a lot like I come from an Albanian culture, which is a very close culture to talk about mental health. Mm-hmm. So how can we, and here in America, it happens sometimes too, as much as open we try to be, but it's still like, unfortunately, it's still there a bit. How can we welcome those conversations? Like, is there certain ways that certain questions that we can ask maybe, or certain actions we can take towards showing support without directly being like, Hey, I'm here for you. You know, yeah, it's, it's listening. It really is listening. Whether you're the person disclosing a mental illness mm-hmm. or the person listening to a family member or a friend who has a mental illness, um, our reaction time, the time between finished sentence by a person and the next person speaking is less than a second. So how can you listen and fully gather what the person is saying in less than a second? You really need to not begin thinking what you're going to jump in with, especially with a conversation about mental illness. Because if, if your friend or your family member is disclosing a mental illness, you just want to help. Mm-hmm. You want to make them feel like everything's okay and that they can come to you. So you're thinking of saying these things before they even completely formulate their thought and finish speaking with you. Just allow the pause. And this is where meditation helps too. Just fully listen. Just create a safe space for that person to disclose and understand that like I have bipolar disorder and I've had certain experiences with it. But even another person with bipolar disorder, I don't fully understand what they're going through. I have empathy for that and I have openness to that, but everybody faces these illness in individual unique ways. So not to jump in with solutions, but to be available to listen. And then again, just like with the kid with anxiety and problems and all, work towards solutions together instead of telling the person what to do. There's such stigma involved with mental illness that people with mental illness are reluctant to open up and they're very quick to shut down if that opening up doesn't allow them to feel accepted and safe. So you have to create that communication, create that give and take instead of just giving, 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 Um, because you may be giving the wrong advice. So what I got from it is listen to understand, not to reply. Mm -hmm. And also you did mention the fact that you're like, you also have to be open because if you don't, you know, if, for example, we're going back uh, yesterday was, well, on the 16th of December was one year anniversary that I quit my corporate job, which I talk open about it because that's what caused my anxiety. Even through my divorce, I didn't have anxiety, but then I get all these issues with my corporate job that I start having anxiety. And at first I was like, I don't know what's happening with me. If I start opening up to certain people, sometimes they'll shut me down. And that's very true. 
because you're like, I'm not going to talk about it with you because I don't feel understood. So mm -hmm. it's not easy to open up at no. first. No. That, so that's very true uh, to the audience that is listening to this. If you have somebody that, you know, like maybe they're having, you know, stress, 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 anxiety, anxiety, and then it goes further and further. Listen to them to understand what they're trying to go through and not replying because mm -hmm. everybody wants to show their own solutions and their own like do this and do this and do this, you know, but sometimes right. just listen to understand. So Absolutely. thank you for sharing that. I think that's very important. So I know you're also doing virtual meetings a lot and actually helping others that are running through this issue uh, since, again, we're going through anxiety like rates right now and reporting. So they're going crazy because of the lockdowns, because we're all having like a mental lockdown as well during those times. Tell us a little bit about the coaching and the virtual meetings that you're actually doing and maybe what's a, a, an ideal client for you. So if somebody wants to reach out, what type of coachings are we typically are we doing right now? Yeah, most, most of my work over the last several years have been with people with diagnosed mood disorders, mm -hmm. like general anxiety disorder or depression, major depressive disorder or bipolar disorder. So I've worked with people with mental health challenges, done a lot of group presentations. This year's a little different because I've pivoted to take some of that skill, some of those techniques that have worked for people with mental illness to this huge population that's dealing with huge anxiety that they're unfamiliar with because of the events that have happened in 2020 and into 2021. My website is Practicing Mental Illness because that's the title of the book that's coming out next year. To get in touch with me is just george at practicingmentalillness.com. There's still some group work, although there's less of that because that was with support groups and peer groups and things in person. That's just starting to reformulate online. But yeah, I'm doing some individual work. And it's really interesting because it's a new world. And now like I'm able to speak with you in Florida. Yeah, I, I've, I've done things in London and in California. And these are people I never could have reached out to or helped before because everything was assumed to be in person. And now the coaching of online can take place anywhere. So really interesting that is true one thing i regret is not buying zoom stocks last year when i start podcasting and start using zooms because right. <laughs> look at where we're at right now <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, for, <laughs> and for my listeners i'll go ahead and attach all the links uh george's email website on the show notes you guys so for my lazy listeners that don't want to type all this information up but to click away just click it on the show notes got it cool We'll right. also attach the link for the book, you guys, the, from the Resilience series, Handling Anxiety on a Time of Crisis. It's on the show notes. So go ahead and purchase the book. Go ahead and get a hold of George. Tell him you listen to this podcast and tell him how you like the book. Why not have start a whole, maybe a book club just because of this book? That would be pretty awesome, right? <laughs> That's great. That's great. I love it. <laughs> What's a new and exciting project that you're working on right now? Because I'm sure you're not just, you know, doing your coaching and then just sitting there. What's what's something you you can share with us too at the same time? Yeah, well, the, the new book, which is Practicing Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. Same as my website. Just finished, just turned in the copy edited manuscript. It's in production now with Changemakers, the same publisher that did handling anxiety. Tim Ward, he just something else. I have to say, he's Tim, great. if he's you're listening to, to this. <laughs> yeah, he's wonderful to work with. He's become a mentor and a good friend. It's really a rare relationship for a writer 
to work so closely directly with the publisher. There's usually agents in the middle and everything. So this has been great. But that book should be out. They haven't set an actual publication date, but I would imagine it'll be very close to the end mm-hmm. of 2021. So the exciting project now is just to continue to build a platform to get my name out there, my writing. I do a lot of articles for various publications and all, but to do more of that, to pave the way for pre-orders of the book, essentially. Anybody who would like to be an author that's listening, the thing that I realized right away that it's called a bestseller, not a best writer, because it's really on the author to go out and sell the book. Whether you're with an independent press or with Penguin Random House, it's it's totally on the author to sell the book. So building up that platform and paving the way to the book's release is really my project for 2021. Oh, yeah. And as somebody that works with clients, they have their own consulting firms and they actually have books, book selling, book marketing, the whole publication, the whole, you know, exposure that's a whole nother thing. So if you're trying to write a book, you guys, I definitely take, advise you to either grab a pen and a paper or just start typing and definitely put your thoughts out there. You would also be surprised where book idea might actually take you. Mm-hmm. Or even just start doing different essays and maybe you can collect like an essay book. You know, there's so many options out there. So yes, to the listeners that have a, an idea of writing something down, just, just do it. Just, just do it. Right. And take a marketing course. So you know how yes. to sell. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or try to study Amazon algorithm. That that would be very helpful once you get that down. <laughs> George, my final question, which I have to say I'm biased every time. This is my my favorite question too, because I'm always intrigued. What is your personal definition of success? I'm gonna take a deep breath on that one. My personal definition of success is to wake up and be excited about what you're going to do and to go to sleep satisfied with what you have done that day. And I think above anything financial or number of followers or likes or anything like that, because as a writer, I find the real reward is the work, doing the work. When people respond to that, that's great. But if I feel like when I get up, I want to do my work. And when I go to bed that night, I can say I did good work, whether it's with my family or with my writing or or with job, uh, then that's a successful day. And I think that makes me a success. So being happy, giving 100% of yourself day in and day out and knowing that you gave your best. Mm Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that one. I haven't got that one yet. (laughs) Any last thing you'd like to leave our listeners with? Any, maybe I didn't ask you a question that you'd like to share a little bit more information or anything else? I I would just really like, I mean, this is great to be recording this right now because they just started giving vaccines this week. So when the show's aired, we'll we'll be more into that project. I think we all need to realize that while specifically this hasn't happened before, things like this have happened before. And we usually, we always, as a culture, come out okay at the end. So today we see light at the end of the tunnel that wasn't there just a month ago. So get some skills to manage your anxiety, get some understanding with people in your community, and just be confident that with these skills and with these understandings, everything's going to be okay. 
get have faith everything will be okay just again give your best day in and day out and know that you give your best <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much george i really appreciate you being here thanks romina this was tremendous thank you absolutely and for all you my dear listeners make sure to tune in every tuesday where you get your dosage of knowledge i say learn at least one you think per episode so you can overcome personal and career obstacles and i hope this episode helped you with at least one thing or a lot of things so make sure to tune in next week till then we'll see you next week listeners This podcast is a 6-7 Radius production. To learn more about 6-7 Radius, our services, and how we can help you strategize your marketing and increase your sales, click the service tab on connectwithromina.com.